the world is in turmoil, right? I mean, what's right, what's wrong? <laughs> of the thousands of philosophies available, which one is correct? The news talks about war, about division, about oppression. What can we do in the face of all of that? I'm not talking about 2022 in our world. I'm actually talking about the first century in the Near East. Back then, what, that's what it was like back then. Very similar to a lot of things right now. And in 50 AD, the situation is really dark. The Roman Empire has a, has a throat grip on the world. It's very oppressive. It extends east to west from Spain to Iran. It extends north to south from southern England to North Africa. And a revolution has broken out. A revolution is, is caused by, by this Jewish prophet who was, who was crucified. And eyewitnesses have said he rose from the dead. So a revolution is breaking out. What does it all mean? 2,000 years ago in the foothills of modern-day Turkey, people were wondering about this stuff. In a dark world, people needed light. And today, while it's a lot the same way, today it's Advent. Today it is Advent. We are celebrating the arrival of Jesus Christ and we are looking ahead to his return. And celebration is, is appropriate because Jesus' birth and arrival is the most monumental, improbable, amazing thing in all of earth history. And that's why we celebrate today in the face of all of what our world brings us today. That's why we celebrate. And the people back then in all their world was bringing them tear-stained eyes looking for hope hoping for a Messiah to come and this revolution is breaking out, could it be? If I asked you to find the story of Jesus in the Bible, you might rightly say Matthew or Luke, but that's not completely true because the story of Jesus' arrival is found from Genesis to Revelation through the whole book of the Bible. That's how huge it is. The majority of the Bible extends from about 2000 B.C. to around 70 A.D. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So in this series, we're looking through the scriptures and we're finding Jesus in unexpected places. We're finding Jesus in these places you wouldn't think to look for him normally. Find him in Genesis at the beginning of human history. We talked about that. We find him in a prediction Moses made 1,300 years before Jesus was born. We talked about that. Today we're going to find Jesus in another unexpected place. You know, in the foothills of a region known as Galatia, around 50 A.D., this region had several churches in it, churches that contained Jews and Gentiles. Um, people are trying to figure out an important question during this time. And that question is, when it comes to God, who are the insiders and who are the outsiders? Who are the insiders and who are the outsiders? Isn't it interesting <laughs> that we human beings always want to do that? We want to figure out who's in and who's out, who's cool, who's not, who gets it, who doesn't, right? We, we have this in, innate desire to win arguments, 
we have the, this, this, way, this decision to be right. And a lot of times it throws huge division between us. But we want to know who's in and who's out. We want to be part of the in crowd. You know, and then we want to kind of make fun of those who don't get it because we feel superior in those situations. A lot of this is just built on pride. Kids, you know, up until around maybe maybe age 12 or so, I mean, everything is cool, but then suddenly parents know nothing. And the kids are like, you just don't get it, man. You don't understand. Kids are in, parents are out. There's Democrats versus Republicans. There's conservative versus liberal. There's believers versus non-believers. And to our shame, we often fall into hatred and division when we deal with unbelievers. Because we're in and they're out. So we're talking around 50 A.D. right now, but about 20 years before that, in 30 A.D., Jesus arrived on the scene and he said this. Let's read it together. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, read it with me, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came and he said this and he turned reality on its head. He turned the world upside down. The meek will inherit the earth. The persecuted will be rewarded. The mournful will be comforted. The hungry will be satisfied. And all of this is available to everybody just to, just because we believe in Jesus? Really? It's unexpected. And in the next 20 years, that unexpected message spread from Spain to Babylon, all throughout the world. But is the statement true? That this whoever part is what trips, trips people up. That this whoever in Scripture turned out to be a real question in the first century. Whoever believes? And it's a question today, too, for us. Because when it comes to God, who is the insider and who is the outsider? Well, the insiders, uh, the ancient Jewish nation, there were in that nation, there were two groups of people in the world. Now, there were many other groups of people, but to a Jew living in the first century, the ancient Jewish culture, there were two groups of people. There were the Jews and there was everybody else. That, that, that's the two people groups, Jews and Gentiles. And just a little background, the word Jewish comes from Judah, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. That tribe settled in an area that would be known as Judah, and Jewish headquarters was there. The city of Jerusalem was in there in Judah. The ancient Israelites are known as God's chosen people. They are the biological and spiritual children of the ancient Israelites. God told the Israelites around 1500 B.C. this here in Deuteronomy 7, 6. He said, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. So God chose the specific race of people to reveal himself to the world. God was on their side. So when the Israelites obeyed God, they enjoyed prosperity in miraculous ways. In fact, from the time of David into the reign of his son Solomon, the Israelites were a superpower. The Israelites were a great nation. Other nations sent representatives to learn from them. They had a killer military. 
And this was all from God, gifted because the people obeyed. But when they disobeyed God, then God let them suffer just like everybody else, drought, famine, invasion. The bottom line, the Israelites had God's supernatural blessing, and their history is found throughout the Old Testament. That's where it's recorded. And that's why they saw the world in terms of us and everyone else. Israelites, Gentiles, Jews, Gentiles, insiders, outsiders. So in 50 AD, a letter starts to circulate in the foothills of Galatia. We have this letter in our New Testament today. It's called Galatians. And we're going to look at that at a piece of that letter right now in Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Okay, now, now wait a minute here. To a Jew living in Galatia in 50 AD, this would be unexpected information. Forget the adoption part, as cool and incredible as that is. Forget that part. Why would I, a Jew, who follows the law, need to be redeemed? I follow the law. Okay, just to take a, a, a step to the side, well, let's talk about the law for a minute. What is the law? Remember last week we looked at Moses. We saw how he helped to define God's people, to define the people of God. He helped to differentiate the people of God from all other peoples. Now, how did he do that? It's through the law. The law differentiates them. Moses received God's law, all 613 commands. And that would be what set the Israelites, the Jews, apart from other nations. So following God's law was the defining characteristic of the Jewish people. So a Jew living in the foothills of Galatia in 50 AD would not have expected to receive a letter like this. If I follow the law, why do I need Jesus to redeem me? And this has been one of the most, if not the most important questions to answer for our Jewish brothers and sisters. The Apostle Paul dedicated his life to answering that question. In Romans 3.20, he said this, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Unexpected information. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The heart of God's law was that it demanded a sacrifice for sin. The law said, do all this perfectly and, and you're okay. But the law also had a provision for breaking the law because nobody is perfect at it. Everybody broke the law. And that provision was to, was to offer a sacrifice. Trouble is, there weren't enough animals on the planet. You know, there weren't enough animals on the planet to cover all the times that people broke the law. So back to our text today, Galatians 4, 4 to 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This was Jesus' message to the insiders, to the Jews. And around the middle of the first century, letters started circulating throughout that Mediterranean region, and they talked about how Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, how Jesus had brought the new and everlasting covenant to the people. It must have been incredibly hard to digest, very unexpected to hear. 
We don't earn God's love by obeying the law. We already have God's love. And, and anyone can be adopted by God just by believing in Jesus. Shocking, to say the least, to the readers of that time. Because see, it was good to be an insider. It's good to have exclusive access to something. It's good to be part of the club. You pay a fee, you do the initiation, you're in. And for the Jews, the initiation was circumcision. The fee was following the law. But now, anyone can be part of the club? Anyone? That's so unexpected. But here's the key. It shouldn't have been unexpected. It shouldn't have been unexpected to those people then or to us now. In Genesis 12, God tells us, Genesis 12, the 12th chapter in the entire Bible. In Genesis 12, that early, God tells Abram, all people on earth will be blessed by you. The Psalms instruct listeners to declare God's glory among the nations. In Psalm 96, for example, declare it to all the nations. The prophet Micah in Micah 4.2 predicts that many nations will come to learn God's ways. And then there's the prophet Isaiah, writing in the 8th century B.C., like 900 years before all of this. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 42.6, I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. And then in Isaiah 49.6, he says, It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. See? You see? God's people have always known or should have known that God wasn't exclusive to them. God wasn't exclusive to just the Jews. For even though God's salvation came to them first, their role, uh, the joyful role it should have been, was to then pass that light on. To pass that light on to others. And so Jesus came and he proved it all true. Jesus came. So again, looking at our text one last time, he writes this reminder to the ch churches in the foothills of Galatia. Galatians 5, 4, 4 to 5. He says, but when the set time had fully come, the set time, the time when Jesus would come and make all of this true, the Israelites would be a light for all the Gentiles, for all nations. It's going to go out to all. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Churches in Galatia would have been made up of Jews and Gentiles, insiders and outsiders right there. But holding this letter in their hands in an outpost church in a dark and confusing world, they are reminded that there is no longer any such thing as insiders and outsiders. There is no longer any such thing. Jesus came to open the gates of heaven to all. Every single person on the planet, Jews who have made an idol out of the law, they're forgiven. Gentiles who never knew God, they're welcomed in. The poor, they're heirs of heaven. The oppressed, they have freedom in Christ. 
the unloved, they are divine royalty and dearly loved. You and me, we're adopted to sonship. We are loved. We are redeemed. We are given grace. So in 50 AD, Jesus showed up in an unexpected place in the fringes of society among pagans who at that time were practicing witchcraft and sorcery and idolatry. Jesus showed up in the hearts of Jewish men and women who up to that point had kept God to themselves. So what about us today? For the, the, the purpose of the Israelite people, the whole reason that they were made a people group was to demonstrate God to the world, was to be a, a conduit for God's presence to the rest of the world. But what about us? What, what do we do? Well, Jesus left us instructions. In Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations, he said. In Acts 1.8, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have inherited the commission of the Israelites. That Their commission is our commission to be the light of the world and to take that light into unexpected places. And there are so many situations in our world today where people don't expect Jesus. The single parent who's overwhelmed by life doesn't expect to see Jesus show up. The person who's lost their spouse to cancer doesn't expect Jesus to show up. The fourth grader who has to go home from school and make dinner for his family because his mom is an addict and dad has disappeared doesn't expect Jesus to show up. The disillusioned, whose dreams have been shattered, the disenfranchised, who don't feel like they belong anywhere, the, the least and the last and the lost among us, they don't expect Jesus to show up in this Advent season. They're not even looking for him because all they can see is the darkness that's around them. So who will bring the light of Christ into the world? Who will? Is it not God working through us who will be the bringers of that light? And so today, the weight that's on my shoulders and I hope the weight that you feel, the thing that will propel you to your knees <laughs> is the question, are you turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to the need around you? To the people who don't expect Jesus to show up this season, are you walking on by? Are you afraid to speak up? Is the fear of rejection greater than your concern and your heart for others? Is God pleased by that whose heart is for the widow and the orphan and the downtrodden and those who have received no justice? We are called. We are called. We're told. We're commanded. Make disciples of all nations. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Tell people about me. People may not be expecting him, but Jesus is there. Jesus is in all of these unexpected places. And it falls to us to tell them, 
Don't shrug it off. Don't make light of it. Confess to God today. Get on your knees and beg for forgiveness. I have to deal with this. I have to deal with this when my own comfort and convenience has taken precedence over the need to speak into someone else's life where I can clearly see the need. And I hope in each one of your minds, situations like that are coming to light. Yeah, yeah, I've seen God move that way. Yeah, I've seen God put me in situations like that. Yeah, I know a situation actually right now that I should have done this and I did that. Let us be the bringers of Christ's light into this world. Do we not have the only hope of the world by virtue of the gospel that we bring? We do. We have it. Jesus Christ has come. When the set time had fully come, Jesus came. He came. So let us bring Jesus into the unexpected places in this world. Let us look at our own lives. Let us, let us chart our history through our life and see how God rescued us. Let us remember the joy of our salvation. Let us look at where we're standing right now with God in His favor, receiving His grace. And then think about those who don't have that and have our hearts broken to share it with them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I know just speaking for me, God, there are times when I have disobeyed, when I have turned a blind eye to need around me, when I have not acted as you have nudged me to. And Lord, I am so grateful for my salvation. I am so grateful that you sent your son to die for me personally, God, as well as everybody else. But I realize the incredible blessing that is mine because you showed up in unexpected places. And Lord, let me take that joy with me to others. Help me to tell others. Help me to have my heart break at the people around me, God, that I come in contact with so often who need that touch from God, that I can be the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing cool water and a loaf of bread to the hungry and the needy and the crying out. I praise you, God. I thank you for what you've done, but you have not saved me or us just for us. There's more to do. And I pray, God, you will help us to have open eyes to your hand and be obedient to your leading. We love you. We praise you today. In Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.